and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. I am not playing mind games, I am talking about facts. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. And I think you, 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 are, you are an ostrich. Hello everyone and welcome back to the third episode of the Talking Absolute Ball podcast. We've made it back, fellas, for a third one. Unbelievable scenes. How are we all? It's so professional that time. There was no sort of me speaking randomly. No Nick making wild claims. It was good. Lamella is a fraud, though. I want that to be to remain. Yeah, and I'm going to say that I don't know if the claim was that wild last time. Can we um? Can we get that in the intro? The uh, Eric Lamella is a fraud alongside uh, you know, <laughs> alongside Kevin Keegan. I think I can watch out for that for next week. I'll get All that right. in there. <laughs> watch out. I'd just like to make a quick shout out to uh, Alex's uh, Michael from GTA 5 style haircut. It is uh, majestic. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? I already feel like I'm 50 and washed up, except I don't have the LA mansion. Working on it. Well, I wish everyone else could see it because it is a thing of absolute beauty. That's it. That's the whole podcast. But, fellas. That's it. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us week. for another week. Um, yeah. <laughs> join us next week. Join us next week when we discuss Cam's immaculate bookshelves. Ooh. How good aren't they? <laughs> they are, man. Yeah, this is going to be great content for an audio-only podcast. Mm. Yeah, let's quickly move on, shall we? Uh, today, in the episode of Dreams, we have discussion of Gareth's final twenty-six. Where he's messed up. Did we get our predictions right last week? Then we'll have a little word about the merry-go-round of managers. Um, and then we'll talk about, of course, the Champions League and Europa League final. And we'll finish up with a bit of talk of transfers. So join us after this. Miser. Gareth, actually. What do we think, boys, of his final 26? So, actually, who who's he left out? Ramsdale, Ben White, Godfrey. Um, Watkins is gone. Watkins, Greenwood. Oh, Jay Lings and James Ward-Prowse. We were pretty close last week, weren't we? When we... Yeah, I, I, I really didn't think he'd take Trent, as we discussed, but as it transpires, that uh, <laughs> that no longer matters. Well, just as we are recording this at quarter past six on Thursday evening, and news has just broke that Trent uh, picked up an injury last night in what was one of the dullest games of all time, um, and is now out for the tournament. So no longer four right-backs, just the three now. Does that mean we can someone back in I assume so yeah it does it does you can make I think it's till like a week tomorrow isn't it so it's like the Friday before you can make an emergency change right so I assume that's um, Callum Chambers we need another right back need another one I do both think it will be and to be fair think it should be Ward Prowse but uh, yeah sure if he wants to keep the right back stash going Callum Chambers why not were, were we in agreement with that seven obviously Greenwood was uh, force upon Gareth and I fear that he would have taken Saka's place uh, but he is the best player in the team um, are, were we happy with that? I felt a bit hard done by for James Ward-Prowse I thought Calvin Phillips was pretty lucky to get in 
Um, I like Godfrey. I still like Godfrey, and I can't stand Mings. So I would have liked him. In, although he did have that comical moment last night where he tried to put it past Pickford. Hmm. Um, but what do we think, fellas? Were you content with that seven that missed out? Would you made any other changes? I'm just kind of really level about it. It, it wasn't. There was nothing sort of shocking there, was there? It was kind yeah. of a squad people expected coming into it. Um, I don't like Tyrone Mings, but fine, I guess. Like, there's not an obvious replacement there. So, like, in fact, in fact, that's how I feel about the whole thing. Fine, I guess. Yeah, I I would concur. I do think it's a little bit strange that. For for a manager who's had his most success coming off set pieces in a tournament, taking him all the way to a semi-final, um, that he doesn't want to take the best set piece taker in James Ward-Prowse. Um, so I was a little bit perplexed by that, but I wouldn't be surprised now if JWP he, comes in to fill the hole for yeah, Trent. He, so. Exactly. He will now, um, especially because I think also a selling point in Trent's column was set piece ability as well so now he's gone he will definitely take Ward Browse surely and and also and also there's just um, there's also just massive Jordan Henderson insurance as well because we just don't know if he's going to be able to play more than 90 minutes if, if he's ever going to play at all so I think it's the right decision uh, what he's made again I agree with you Alex I don't really see the point in Tyrone Mings or you know to be honest and if we were going to take a better centre defender I'd rather have taken Godfrey or Ben White but um, you know it's a it's a minor choice because we know he's not going to be an automatic starter so well I I think that could be another centre back I heard last night that Maguire could be out till after the group stages so surely it makes sense to take another centre back if they're going to play well, I'm hoping on last night that actually shows that he's going to go with a two uh, or four back, but two centre backs. But um, do you think there's any place for my Godfrey to come in? Plays right mm. back. He has done. He's right back. Yeah, but, but we have four it's... right backs in the squad. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's going to be three, but even then. No, I think if he goes for a centre back, he'll probably go for Ben White now, considering he's played him now. I well, don't Godfrey think he... played last night. Uh, yeah, that shows how much attention I was paying to it. Oh, after it, after it put horrendous. me to after it put me to sleep in about thirty minutes, if I'm being generous. Did wake up for Pickford's little near calamity at the end though. That made me smile. Where he uh, yeah. goes, where I, he goes to punch it out straight to an Austria player, also still in the box. Classic. Little arms. Very, wildly off topic. Austria have half a uh, few decent players. Obviously, uh, they've always had Alaba for years, but even now, it's only him. Sabitza, Hinteregger, uh, Lima at the back. That was it. That's all I really want to say. That I quite, I, <laughs> I much well, more enjoyed watching them last night than us. Well, yeah. No, I, I'm a little bit in denial about last night's performance. I keep on saying to myself, you know, it's a friendly, it's a tune-up game. Everyone's running at fifty percent, if that. Um, so again, I think we'll be fine. But it does worry me how flat it was when there's a slightly tricky group. Nick, did you even watch it last night? I watched precisely five minutes of it and I was about to fall asleep. But I think the point in hand is that, you know, this England team is just such a workman-like team in the sense that 
it's not going to obviously thrill you like Spain did in 2010, for example. That's not the whole point. Info, we know he could play it. And Gareth is a bit like self. Um, Gareth Southgate is a bit like uh, Scott Parker in that he wants to, you know, talk a big game, but can't really uh, put it into play. So it's just kind of a bit, really, of you know, this is just what England are at the moment. Such a um, shame, given the um, forward options there, like that. I completely agree that is what England are, but it's such a shame when they have the capacity to be quite a bit more than that. I wouldn't... Well, I, I think maybe next week will be uh, the last one before the start. We'll go into maybe our favourite 11s, but I would love to see them go all out and just have Rice holding and then just go mental with two in front, like a Mouse and Foden, but I, I think we know that's not going to happen. Shall we move on to the manager merry-go-round? Please. And this could... This could see tears come pouring out of my eyes here we had some mental news this week I really thought it was mental that <laughs> Ancelotti has sacked off Everton in the space of 24 hours it seemed and, and gone off to Real Madrid to replace the outgoing Zinedine Zidane I as those on the chat know did not think that would happen I really did not think Ancelotti would be going back to Real Madrid but that has happened and happened very quickly we've had uh, Allegri go back again to Juve this week um, and it just seems to all be and rooms of Poch leaving PSG oh and I don't want to say it the possibility of Conte joining Spurs um, what do we think fellas of all this madness going on and where are people going to end up can I go first um, I would I would like just I just want to get your uh, quick two minute take Cam on Antonio Conte to uh, your beloved Tottenham Hotspurs. It, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I think he's the kind of manager that will just get something out of nearly any team, including that one. I think, really, that one. I think he's the kind of manager who could persuade, if you were Harry Kane, to go, hmm. If you're on the fence, and we'll get to it, I don't actually think Kane's going to go anyway, but... I think he's the kind of manager you go, oh, something could happen here. From depths of smile, he could just get a win. Like, he could win the league from nowhere, like he did with that Chelsea that year. Were they... Was that the year that they'd just been 8th or 10th or whatever? And the yeah, the year, year after. The year after, that was the uh, Goose Hiddink year. The Alexander Pato year. It, imagine, oh. a, imagine a Spurs... Pato. Imagine a Spurs 95-point season. Oh. I think that's listed in... I think that's listed in the Bible alongside some of the other signs of the apocalypse. All, all I have to say is, like, imagine if you're Harry Kane, for example, and then, you know, they, like, say Spurs do appoint Antonio Conte, you know, and, and you, it does excite you in a way because here's a man who's just won Syria and got an absolutely ridiculous season out of Romelu Lukaku. Um, Cam, I see you on the verge of tears, so I won't be too long. But, you know, this is the kind of thing, this is like the... Uh, you know, it's like the Phil Jackson from the Chicago Bulls kind of recruitment, like just where, you know, he can put all his Premier League titles and uh, Serie A's in the background and say, I'm a winner and I've won recently, unlike Jose Mourinho. Like, if you if you go with me, we will win, you know, a title and be a top four team again. Because there's no question about that. The man is just so gifted as a manager. Um, the question is, if he did go, is would that relationship with Daniel Le you know, Levy break sooner or later? It would combust after a year, maybe two. I'm fully aware of that. But it's 
those two years of silverware that worries me. That's the thing we've got over Spurs at the moment. Yes, they've been ahead of us the last five years or whatever. But they haven't won anything. And that's glorious. We have won a few trophies during that period. We've been a poorer team, but we've won trophies and that is all that matters in history. But I think Antonio Conte will win. I, I think he guarantees them trophies, even if it isn't a league, it's a run in the FA Cup or, or League Cup um, or Europa Conference League. But look what he did to Lukaku, look what he did to Costa before they you know, went at each other's throats. Him and, just imagine, Son and Kane up front, because he loves that, like, two up front. Scary. I don't want it. I don't want it at all. Um, I'm praying that they just think, you know what? Legendary status. Fat Frank, he could do a job. That's what I want to happen. No. That's, I'm desperate for that. There's no chance. He'll, he'll, he'll end up at Palace, but... um. I think I think uh, to move on from Conte before you burst down into a complete nu- nuclear uh, meltdown. I'm not surprised by the Ancelotti um, uh, move from Everton to Real Madrid because this is a man who doesn't really upset political hierarchies. And I think if you think of the two most political football clubs and you know running like a Game of Thrones style family, they're Barcelona and Real Madrid. So. This is a man who doesn't really, you know, he's not an Antonio Conte, J- Jose Mourinho. He doesn't really, you know, shock the cast or something. You know, he'll keep a steady, keep the players uh, happy, for example. And he's not going to demand wild amounts of money spent like a Conte would, for example, or a Poch would. So I think it makes perfect sense um, whether the, you know, whether or not you believe that, um, you know, Carlo Ancelotti is still a good manager is a whole different level of discussion. Um, personally well I agree with you to an extent but in his uh, book that he released after his last stint at Madrid he came out and criticised the hierarchy over the signing of uh, Martin Odegaard uh, it was quite public on how that it went against his wishes um, he thought it was a, a media stunt and so on and so but that's but know, that's think... Martin Odegaard. Like, I'm sorry, he's not going to be a starter for Real Madrid. With with or at least current evidence doesn't show that he's going to be a starter for Real Madrid. He's not going to argue if uh, Florentino Perez wants to spend I don't know, God knows amounts of money on say for example Kylian Mbappe, which obviously isn't going to happen. I'm just throwing that out as an example. That's the whole point. He's going to want to you know, just kind of take a, a, a step back and you know sit away from all the carnage and let. Florentino, you know, dictate the drama. Well, and I also think a really ambitious manager wouldn't go to Madrid right now under the whole... Uh, are they going to... Well, it looks like they're going to be banned, isn't it, from the Champions League this year, then Barca and uh, Juventus. So Until yeah. they're banned, yeah, I'm going to say they're not going to be banned. Yeah, at any rate, even if UEFA does it, they're going to take them to the court of arbitration, which UEFA does not have a solid track record of defending their disciplinary action at I mean you saw it with City right they, I don't mm. I don't that know if, I don't know if UEFA banning them is just sort of grandstanding but maybe they know they're overreaching and it will get overturned in a legal setting so like Nick I'll hold my excitement for that and mm. um, wait you know it, until it does actually happen if it does um, do we think Poch is going to leave PSG after what about six months? Fairly six. Uh, oh, no. Actually, no. Would, would you not a successful six months uh, as they didn't we? A believe, disappointing six again. months. A really disappointing six months. 
I I completely agree. It's not not enough to kick him out though. No, and I don't think he'll leave. Um, the only club he would leave for is Tottenham, and PSG, if anything, have shown themselves to be trying to prevent that. So um, that's the only club I imagine he would try and force a move for. That option is not going to be there, and I think PSG wants to persist with him anyway. So no, I don't see him leaving anymore. As sexy as Paris is, let's go to uh, Merseyside and Everton, uh, where there is rumours coming out on that Nuno is going to be taking the job up there. Can I see that as a, a good fit? I know, Nick, you're not a fan of Nuno, but I think he is a half-decent manager. Besides, they had a rough year this year, which I think was hit by a horrendous trans, uh, transfer window of last year and Jimenez's injury. And I think he will do well with that, that Everton squad. I think if you're James Rodriguez, you're you're crying right now. Leaving Madrid to join up with Ancelotti just for a year later for Ancelotti to go back to Madrid. Um, but no, I think Nuno could get a tune out of them. I think if you're, if you're an Everton fan, you are sad. It is a downgrade. But Nuno's perfectly reasonable, don't you think? Alex, do you want to go first? I mean, you're the person with strong Nuno opinions, so okay. I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Um, I just, I mean, here's a man who's kind of owed his career really to George Mendes, or how, what is it, Jorge Mendes, however you pronounce his name. Um, for lack of a better term, like he, I have never really been particularly impressed with you know Espirito Santo. He was given a Champions League quality team for what it was worth in the Championship, um, with like sub Diego Hota, Ruben Neves. Uh, Raul Jimenez wasn't there yet, but regardless, like there were still lots of good players there. Um, and aside from like the first initial good season, which is you know I guess a feel good you know promoted team season, backed with a lot of backed with a lot of money by um, by Fosun and uh, George Mendes, it feels like Wolves have just gone kind of a bit boring under his watch and. If, if you ask any Wolves fan, really, you know, about the past 12 months, really, even before Jimenez got injured, it was a real struggle. And I'm just not really sure what is going to happen with Nuno and Everton's tactics, if that's the way they go down, because it's it's kind of just... I mean, I, I like... I, what tactic like no one goes out to a Wolves game and says they play attacking football it's just firmly like quite stout like if anything it just feels like he's you know a Roy Hodgson clone like he's a Roy Hodgson with a beard like you know sorry go on yeah no no I was going to say to sort of um, split the split the room between you here I mean Cam you think he's a decent ish at least manager Nick's not a fan I got a question does anybody is anybody actually sure how good a manager he is? Because, Nick, I think your point about his career essentially being babysat by Jorge Mendes is totally spot on. We've not seen him outside that environment. I don't know how he's going to do there. I'm not even... It's bizarre for a manager that's had, what is it, like three seasons in the Premier League now, a season in the Championship before that. I still don't know how good that guy is. So, yeah, if I'm an Everton fan, okay fine I, I guess I'd be alright with it but I think it's a huge question mark there I'd be interested to see how he gets on but I I, I don't know what you get from uh, I think he's effective Nuno. you know his free back system worked really well he used what he had at his disposal pretty well um, when Jota left he is uh, put in Pedro Neto 
has eased him in last year and Pedro Neto I thought was rather decent this year even though his numbers were okay um, I don't I, okay if you're Everton fans I do think you're disappointed but more disappointed with the fact that Ancelotti's left you all that hope that ha- came at the beginning of last season I think has uh, dwindled away quite rapidly in the past few weeks with where they finished and now this news I think if you're a Palace fan you um, you feel a bit left at the altar don't you They've been talking for like three days or whatever it was. I think things were pretty, you know, pretty advanced in those negotiations. Suddenly Everton comes up and maybe you know is thinking, okay, I don't fancy a perennial fifteenth place football club that has half of its players' contracts expiring. So I think if you're yeah. Palace, you feel a little bit ditched. Well, they're getting Fat Frank or maybe Eddie Howe. Now that Eddie Howe has broken, uh, the talks are broken down there with Celtic. Death by a thousand cuts or death by ten thousand cuts, really. <laughs> I mean, take your pick. Like, I can't believe this Eddie Howe myth, really. It's like. It I is, like Eddie Howe. He is one of the just the greatest myths of, you know, English media again, you know, hyping up an English manager to be like this all time savior, really. And I think people forget over the last two years that this is a manager who has. Who's, who really suffers from the complete opposite problem that Scott Parker has, which is he cannot figure out how to get a team to defend. And I think the 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 rumour that's been going around about Eddie Howe is he doesn't really command respect in the dressing room, which is why he had to rely on the old guard at Bournemouth for so long. Um, so again, if you're a Palace fan looking at you know Howe or Lampard, you probably would prefer Howe, just because at least there's... You know, a track record of three or four years in the Premier League, but it, it, they're still, for me, neither of those options are appetising yeah. in the slightest. You, you would die in a more entertaining manner. Exactly. Well, that, that's more my point. Plays nice football. If you are a Palace fan, I heard this from some Newcastle fans when they were talking about how dire Bruce was pre the re- renaissance they had at the end of the season, but. I would rather, if you know you're a middling club, okay, I think Leeds is the real extreme version that I'm going to win some amazingly and just be a catastrophe the next week. I'd rather be a 13th, 14th, 12th club in the league playing nice football rather than having to watch like a Roy Hodgson game or a Bruce game. I'd rather watch one with Eddie Howe and yes, you're going to ship some goals, but you're going to see some good football. You know you're not going to progress high into the top half of the table. Well, uh, well, I agree. Surely like, I agree, kind of. But the issue is, is one that Palace squad is not built for an Eddie Howe team at all. It's, it's not like I think there's ten or tw- I think now nine out of contract players. Given I saw Benteke renewed today, but still, like, is Christian Benteke an Eddie Howe like footballer? No, I'm sorry, he's not. Like, <laughs> Alex, you saw. Uh, Christian Benteke tries to play in a you know a quick football team playing free flowing football. It doesn't work. Like he's a he's a you know a workhorse. He's Not a Benteke, target man. But thanks, Nick. as a thanks for that though, Nick. I had just about after six years extinguished those memories, and now they're fully <laughs> back. It's it's what just... about Barini? Barini, yeah. I mean, there's, Look, there's let's let's few, not get bogged down. Let's few, not get bogged down in um, yeah, let's not get bogged yeah, down but, in Liverpool 
2014, 15. There's a few really mediocre attackers in succession at Liverpool, and we don't have the time to go through them all, which I will inevitably want to do if we go down this rabbit hole. That's episode 100. Yeah. (laughs) Liverpool's shocking signings of that. What was it, 2010? Like like 2009 through to like 2015. Okay. So looking at that, I think the big manager that's going to be left out is Zidane. Where I don't see a club for Zidane at the moment, but I think equally he's a manager who won't really care, a bit of sabbatical and, and just waiting for the right offer. I, I could have seen him at Juve until they went back to Allegri, and uh, obviously Inter's job's just been taken by Inzaghi today. You're, you're fuming if you're Jose, that you've, uh, you took the Roma job a few weeks back, and then the Inter one comes up. But anyway, um, can so anyone, last bit on this, can anyone see Zidane going anywhere, or is he just going to... I think Rest you've got it. I, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. He'll have a couple of months out and slide into the next big job that comes available. He will have a lovely time sitting on a beach in Corsica. That's that's all yeah. I can say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see him at United. Ole has a shocker start, and they rope in Zidane at United. That's my that's, shout. That's not going to happen. Like, there's been so many times where we all thought Solskjaer would go, especially this season, and it's not happened. It's just I like until again. It's like the like I said earlier. Until it happens, I'm going to continue to believe that it's not going to happen. Well, fair enough. Okay, boys, let's go on to our next part where we discuss the European finals this week. Just for you, Alex. Just for I you. Just, I just think we could afford to lose that second bit, to be honest. <laughs> and that's why it stays, Alex. That's I've why it gone, stays. I've gone grey-haired in the time between segment changes. Oh, Alex is going to, you know, by the end of it, look like, um, you know, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson just before his death, you know, frayed out greying hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, there, there, there have been times during lockdown. In fact, you know what? Going off track again. I'm going to rein it back in. From Lyndon B. Johnson to Unai Emery. That's the content they come for. Um, Europa League final, lads. Again, I didn't. I didn't watch the match, but I did watch the shootout. Nick, I assume you didn't watch the match. I did not because I don't care about either of these two teams. Um, because Manchester United are Solskjaer's Manchester United, and I've already spent. 18 months too much watching Unai Emery's Arsenal so yeah I feel that I feel that although he's done it again put him in any other shirt than Arsenal's and look what he does and hold on hold on who who predicted it yeah I'm saying 1-1 Villarreal on penalties Fernandez misses his penalty <laughs> scenes alright skip out the last bit about Fernandez. I was right 1-1 on penalties, Francis Coquelin, greatest penalty taker. Skip out the other ones, Perlo, Matt Letizier, Francis Coquelin. That penalty was saucy, and I knew he had that quality in there, although he never showed at Arsenal. I, I'm buzzing for that. I'm buzzing for that result. I'm so happy they didn't win. Um, they didn't do enough. Uno played exactly like I thought he would. 
and they're very effective about it. Just they did that mm. against us, and well, yeah, we couldn't get past it. Do we think it's the end for De Gea, Alex? What at Man United? Um, yeah, well, not not his life. No. <laughs> well, the way some Man United fans think about him, I actually I can genuinely see him staying another season, just because there are so many question marks around Dean Henson. Like, okay, if they sign a big keeper in the summer, then yeah, De Gea. No, they're he's not going to lose. <laughs> yeah, I love that. No, he's coming back to join the you know illustrious group of old English third slash fourth choice goalkeepers at big clubs. You know, mm. people like Scott Carson, Scott Carson, Club, Rob yeah. Green, Rob Green at Chelsea, <laughs> Andy yeah. Lonergan at Liverpool. Yeah, no, he's not but. coming to compete. No, I think De Gea will get another season if they can't find an established number one, but. Technically, it is the end because I think they'll be looking to offload him to make that happen. I'm just doubtful they'll make it happen this summer. Mm, I'll be surprised if any top club comes in from now, which sounds crazy. Seeing as how how good he was, uh, I just don't see him at uh, Madrid anymore. That damn fax machine really did screw him over. <laughs> um, I didn't realise until there was a talk about penalty shootout and everything just how horrific his penalty saving record is like I know that yeah. the cliche is if you're a goalkeeper in a shootout there's like no pressure just go out there save a couple be a hero but he's so consistently nowhere near any of them that you start thinking it can't be bad luck at this stage well Ruley, the other goalkeeper is horrendous he's such a bad keeper he and was, he did better than him there, there was about three or four penalties there that the other keeper whose name escapes me right now should have saved. You know, Man United yeah. should have been dead and buried long before De Gea walked up to the well, walked to the spot. Like I don't want to mm. put the whole thing on him because really some of those penalties United got away with are pretty horrific. But I mean, Villarreal's keeper, apart from his cheese string wrists, did the job at the end. I guess. Is it worse for a keeper to always dive the wrong way, i.e. De Gea? Or dive the right way, and like you say, his cheese string wrist, and that still goes in. I think the De Gea one is worse. Just, yeah. I, it's a really hard. When when you lose a major competition, and yeah, okay, I do class the Europa League as a major competition. I know you never want to be in it, but it is. Um, it you, you always look worse, and at least for the, you know the Villarreal guy can go home and say, you know, I almost got a glove on a few of those. Whereas De Gea is hopelessly lost every time somebody's you know twelve yards from him. Yep, I think that all that came from that match is just demonstrating again that it's Unai's competition. I saw a nice little thing where it was the U E L, whereas uh, mm. Unai Emery Lee it is, except of course where where he's managing us. Um, do you have any comments on Europa League final, Nick, or shall we move on to the Champions League? No, and on to the Champions League final, where uh, Kai Havertz scored the only goal in the game against Manchester City. Cam, your thoughts? What was Pep doing? What no was Pep doing? Flipping CDM. Unbelievable. Although, I do find it interesting. Uh, I actually do wonder why he didn't play Fernandinho in this game. But that wasn't their issue. Their issue was that they just couldn't break them down. Sterling looked wholly ineffective. Um... Or Jesus, I, I, I'm not a fan, as we know. Or Wasn't Chelsea executed well. a very good game plan, 
and I, I think, think that's both. what they did. I yeah, like. I think, I think it's more Chelsea came with an excellent game plan, and like they were superb. And this three-three-one-three that Pep has kind of employed throughout his time at Man City, like it's you know kind of been the formation of death almost. But I was just a little bit perplexed by De Bruyne up front. Um, it, it it just it he's never really been that kind fit that kind of role. I like him as the number ten. Um, so I'm just really confused, and it's extremely disappointing if you're a City fan because they created next to nothing, and Chelsea completely dominated them on the game on the uh, day. The lo- yeah, the logic behind leaving Fernandinho out wasn't that because he got gassed by them in the cup, uh, gassed by Chelsea in the cup. I think that was. Oh really? I do, well, I don't know. I mean, that that's the admittedly sort of retroactive justification I've seen for it on social media and whatnot. So I don't but know. But then you play Rodri. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not defending. Well, I, I, there is since since his um, Barcelona days, there is now a really consistent theme of Pep tactically outmaneuvering himself in these like big European matches, especially like this one, Leon last year. But I will also come back to agree with Nick as well in that Chelsea were just absolutely excellent. Like I, I find it really hard to think of a time I've seen a team so well structured um, to soak up that pressure and make it look like it was nothing. They did an absolute job on Man City. And um, a- another thing I need to say, admittedly as somebody who is like paid-up member of the Trent Alexander-Arnold fan club, I thought Reese James was absolutely incredible, like superb. Yeah, just an amazing performance, and I was watching it thinking, "Yeah, he's going." <laughs> that that made me think because that that was before the squad announcement. I thought, granted, it's all academic now because he's injured, but I thought I'm like Reese James, you beautiful bastard. That was an incredible performance, and you've just mm. knocked out my boy out of the squad. But the um, I never the really saw what Reese. No, go on. You go. On. Oh, I, I was. Just, I I'd never really s- seen what Reese offered to the party before this. I just thought he was a bit of jack of all, master of none, athletic, decent on the ball, but not Trent decent, not as athletic as Carl Walker. That's kind of where I saw him fit. But like you say, just he had every. I I saw a thing that he made seven tackles. Yeah, in, in uh, terms of defensive, in, in terms of defensive showing, he put in the shift that everybody kind of expects Juan Bissaka to be putting in at this point. Yes, he was and absolutely incredible. That, the whole argument that if we come, and I think I made it last week, if we come up against Mbappe, who do you want there? You want Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Well, you know what? It's, it's gone now. I, I, I'm content with Reese. actually. I thought Carl Walker had a pretty decent game as well, to be fair. Um, and I thought Cesar Pulaqueta was superb as well on the right side of that three. And like you say, Nick, I thought they they just outplayed it was convincing in the end all the stats were in Chelsea's favour they could have had more uh, yeah <laughs> Werner uh, when we were we were watching it and, oh we weren't watching it together but we on the on the chat we were just saying after every Werner miss unbelievable but there's this narrative he's shocking in front of goal but he's integral to the way that they play um, I don't know how much you boys agree with that I 100% agree with that I, I thought he was actually really good outside of all the misses and you know if he puts those two chances away uh, within the first 10 or 15 minutes, whatever it was, um, which he really should have done. There's no kind of excusing that. I thought he played superbly. And obviously, you know, maybe you kind of wonder why a manager persists with a player 
when they're having you know such a bad time, particularly an attacker like Werner. But he is really integral to you know how Tuchel plays and stuff. So yeah, I obviously don't want this to happen while he's in a Chelsea shirt, but I do think there is a player there. Um, his, his movement is great. He always seems to be in the right place at the right time. If he sorts the finishing out, he's going to be what they wanted him to be, maybe more. But obviously, that's a huge if. So I kind of agree with persisting him, persisting with him for the moment. I, I'm not. I'm less sure he's critical to the style of play. Like if you can get a better striker, then do it. But um, I, I think he's worth keeping around because I do think there is a player there if you can get some confidence and some finishing back. And well, to be fair, his numbers at, at Leipzig prove that he doesn't know how to find the net. This has just been a unusually horrendous season. But there was a point I was just thinking: if you're a Chelsea fan, you want the ball to go to anyone else in around that penalty box, which is a bit mad. Um, I'm going to say something here, which is going to sound just wild, and you're probably going to go, eh, "Not sure, Kim. Not sure." They remind me of different stratosphere, like Arsenal at the end of last season when we won the FA Cup. Obviously on a different plane, I know it's the Champions League final, but this, and how Tuchel sets them up, is a wonderful cup team. I don't see the way that they play as winning the league next year. I don't see... (laughs) We beat them twice by just being boring, and like most teams do to us, you know, the Burnleys and so on, and just putting everyone behind the ball. They don't break you down. I don't see them going a whole season picking up the points that they need to and taking the title away from a City or Liverpool or whoever next year. I've seen a lot of chat this week saying, well, that shifted it. Obviously, City's up there, but Chelsea the next best team in, in Britain. I don't think that's true. I think they played unbelievably, went to a game plan, but I don't think that works against a team that puts 10 men behind the ball. So do we think this is the slingshot for them going challenging next year for a title or are they still aiming for top four next year? I don't think they'll win the title next year, no. Um, I think second has to be the objective for them. I just, I, I know this is a lot of sort of recency bias because we've seen spells you know, this season where City have been pretty poor. But I, I, maybe it is recency bias, maybe it's just being intimidated by the run they had before they lost the final. But I, I, I think City are nailed on for the title. Chelsea, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I think there are levels to it. I think they are ahead of where Arsenal were. But no, I don't think oh, they yeah, won the um, league. Yeah. But I don't think they won the league, but I think they'll move forward, like a position or two. But just last week we were discussing how poor they were against Villa, for instance. Villa totally outplayed them in that last game of the season. I, yeah, I, no, I, it's I, I just don't see them... Yeah. I don't see them battering teams like a league-winning team you'd expect would, like you did in uh, 1920 as in City have done in countless years I just don't see it um, but one t- one person battering down every door is N'Golo Kante surely the most likeable player in the world uh, unbelievable again in the final uh, he apparently only made three tackles well, but I'm sure I saw him everywhere during the game that was the official number given to him Alex because I know you have an opinion on this is he your Ballon d'Or winner? You're just setting me up to be really unpopular here. No, I really don't think he is. I think it's a really similar thing to um, when Modric won it after his World Cup performances in that I think it's somebody that everyone's just about realised, oh crap, maybe we should have had this guy in the Ballon d'Or conversation 
more of the time in the past and now perhaps let's put him up there to honour his career achievements. But that's not what that award is for. It's for the best player in the world that calendar year. I don't think Kante is that. I think he's a brilliant player and I think his achievements are extraordinary and he's really likeable and it's an amazing journey to get to the level he plays at now. I just don't think he's the the best player or the MVP of the year. I think it, what I'm saying is I think it's if he was to get it it would be very sentimental and I think that's also the reason so many people are putting him forward at the moment. I think that if France win the Euros and he plays a big influential part in that he's going to have a strong claim for it. Well international tournaments decide these things right in international tournament years so yeah by that standard he probably will win it I still unless he has an absolutely monstrously good Euros and beginning to next season I still don't think he's going to be the best player in the world but he'll get it for the for the story of that spell sure Nick, you're not looking convinced. It's it's like as Alex said, like perfectly with the whole Modric thing. Again, it's just appreciation of a player who's been around for a long time and done a very good job. You know He's what really else it reminds? You know what else it reminds me of? I forget whether it was like the PFA Player of the Year or the Premier League Player of the Year, whatever it was. When they gave it to Ryan Giggs in the twilight of his career, when actually he'd not done a huge yeah. amount but suddenly it seems to be this moment of oh shit we haven't given this guy this award before it just has mm-hmm. that feel to me it's a little bit different because Kante's well no me neither but I, it's a little bit different because obviously, his chest obviously <laughs> well, yeah. um, it's different because obviously Kante's not like going anywhere in the next season or two but I, I just think it's that kind of thing Okay, I don't know. I just love him. I know, that's not reason to give it to him when it comes to it. But no, no, but that, that is the he's reason. He's a tremendous I, player. That is the reason people are going for, though. He's a tremendous player that they love. I say go back, give last year, make a, make a ball, make a golden ball from somewhere and give it to Lower because that is an absolute travesty that he didn't get it last year. Uh, and currently he should probably win it again, him or Messi, but I don't know. Have a good tournament in Golo and it could be yours. And I don't think, well, I wouldn't be unhappy to see it because I just think he's redefined that position. Everyone called it the Makaleli position. I think it's now the Kante position, what he does. No one does it better than him. He's got better skill set than uh, Makaleli did. Um, I, I just thought he was amazing again. So last words on that. That was a, a thoroughly deserved victory for Chelsea. Yeah? Yeah. I think the, um, I think the uh, interesting aspect... Uh, if I can just quickly finish on this, is like the p- post-mortem really for City because this is finally they finally like hit the hump. They got over to the final. They finally hit a final, and then they just well they didn't turn up and stuff. And we're already starting to see numerous media reports. Like for example, Bernardo Silva's unhappy, and there seems to be a lot of um, not distress but yeah unhappiness in that camp. So it's going to be um. It's going to be a really interesting summer for Man City because they've actually got a bigger rebuild, I think, um, more than people realise. So next season might not be this kind of walk in the park that people seem to really think, um, to be honest. That's that's a good point. And when I said I think it would be a walk in the park for them, I'm predicating predicating that prediction on them getting a perfect Sergio Aguero replacement, you know, somebody of the cane or somewhat more improving in the Prem, but like the Haaland level, 
if they don't nail that transition, and as Nick says, there are going to be other positions to replace as well, if their recruitment is slightly off, I can see it being a bit like um, the season before last when they were runners up to Liverpool, where there seems to be a lot of burnout there. It seems to be a lot of scrappy football. Because um, Pep will keep going at 100 miles an hour. So if they don't keep the squad fresh and nail these replacements, then OK, I would change that. So when I said they're going to walk it, I might row that back slightly and say I'll, I'll see how the transfer window goes for them because there's, there's a lot to be done there I think that was a great point Nick actually yeah there's rumours that Bernardo Silva Rodri uh, Laporte uh, Jesus even to a, a little extent Sterling uh, are all unhappy with their time and that they might be willing to listen to offers from Mahrez and Sterling these ridiculous rumours linking them with, with Arsenal I love it um, no I think uh, and I think you're right as well, Alex. Unless they bring in a, a Kane slash Harlan, it won't be such a walk in the park. Um, a lot of it is on De Bruyne's back. I think you saw that in the final. I don't think he had a good game. And I know he came off later on. But I think when you start seeing him having a poor game, the wheels started to fall off a little bit. Where was the goal coming? Where was that creativity coming? I think Bernardo Silva's been really, by his standards, poor this year. Um, and so... I think a lot, and also a lot of uh, pressure, I think, will go on to the likes of Farron Torres if they do get rid of the likes of Amaras or Sterling or so on. So, yeah, maybe not. Maybe it would be a really interesting summer. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be uh, unhappy to see a, uh, a shift in power, but it'll be interesting to see. All right, fellas, shall we go on to everyone's favourite topic transfers? Ladies and gentlemen. You can't bring an object onto the field and start rubbing on the cricket ball. And you've got all the cameras on you. I mean, it's an embarrassment. It really is an embarrassment. Not too many big, big transfers going on. It's right at the beginning of the summer, obviously. Uh, one I, I thought was quite interesting to begin with was uh, David Alba's uh, free transfer to Real Madrid. Um, shock boys, I've got no life. I've done a little bit of research statistics to throw at you here he's not the best central defender when you look on paper which I assume that's what they've gone for I'm assuming they're not signing uh, the David Alaba left back from a few years back uh, I'm assuming that he's a, a Ramos replacement and looking at the statistics he got dribble pass last year 25 times whereas Militao, Ramos and Varane combined got dribble pass 28 times that would concern me. Where So you're replacing Ramos, who got dribble pass eight times. I know he didn't play the whole season, but even Militao only got dribble pass 11 times. He made two errors, which is more than any other of the players. There were only three combined from the other three. Um, although he is very good at tackling and interceptions. Out of all of them, he got the most with 77, whereas uh, Varane ended the season with 61. Do we think this is a positive signing for Madrid? Because I'm saying I think it looks good, but if you dialed into it, I don't know if he is the quality centre-back they should be looking for. No, because you're reading too much into dribble pass stats, <laughs> it, which are very, um, it's, it's very, that's very subjective um, for me. Like, look, if you get an opportunity to sign a centre-back from one of the three best teams in the world for an absolute, well, for free, without paying money to their club, Granted, the wages and stuff are probably exorbitant, but you probably want to take that opportunity if you can and the player's interested. 
Like this, this deal is fine. Like it, it's a good transfer and it, and it makes sense. It, it fits a need and <laughs> there's nothing else really to say. He's good. Yeah, it's fits a need. That's it. It's it's a solid transfer. I no, he's not going to be the best centre back in the world for them. But I think it's a transfer born out of their situation at the moment. You know, it's very similar to um, Aguero to Barcelona in many ways. It's just they they have positions. That they need to plug holes in, so they need, uh, but they need to buy smarter than they have in the past because of their financial constraints. He was available. He's a good player with experience, as Nick says, from a great team. It was on the market for free. You go for it. it it's fine. It plugs a hole. That's it, really. But are you happy replacing Ramos, as it seems, for Alaba? If you're a Madrid fan, are you content with that? Yeah, but. I don't know if it's a like-for-like like replacement. Like obviously, you'd rather have a prime Ramos, maybe even the Ramos of last year, going off your stats. But they're not going to... OK, let me put the question another way. Who is out there that they can bag realistically right now that provides that like-for-like like replacement? You're talking about a club legend here. Somebody who's led that defence for a decade. That You're not going to get that this summer especially if you were matured with their financial constraints. So you go for the next best thing, and Alaba's just a solid replacement who won't make a fool of himself and will be all right. Well, financial restraints, I think you're absolutely right, both of you. It's a very sound uh, transfer. But saying who is out there, maybe the man that's just replaced Ramos in the Spanish squad and who's, as I just said, supposedly unhappy at City, uh, Americ Laporte. I think he'd be... I could see him at Madrid. Um, I think that until this year, he was... Well, not Van Dijk, but the next best centre-back in the Premier League. I could see him and Varane having a, a really solid partnership. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say Alaba's a bad player. I'm just saying that I was surprised. And yes, OK, maybe I'm reading too much into the draws past statistic. I just thought... I loved that. I loved Alaba. I even liked Alaba when he was playing central midfield. Not as sold at him at the back, to be honest. But, okay, but, but like you say, free I'm, transfer. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong here, though, because it, it may not be the case anymore. But Madrid are still courting Haaland and Mbappe with a view to getting one of them. Now, you're not going to be able to pull that off. You know, already it's it's a tough you know situation to pull off if you're Real Madrid running on not as much ammunition as you had before. You're not going to do that and get a Laporte-level replacement for Ramos in the same summer. And if you're Real Madrid, with the PR at the moment being the way it is, you want a flashy signing to bring that back. One of those two is far more flashy and attention-grabbing than Laporte is. So I think they'll prioritise the forward line, especially in a season where they've been defensively sound but haven't scored many goals and they'll leave a big defensive purchase till next year or the year after maybe totally right if it comes to September and they've got one of Mbappe or Haaland through the door then this is this looks like a piece of brilliance but I am very sceptical whether they will have uh, financial uh, might to pull one of those two through the door this year but okay I'm happy to sound I don't mind Alaba's player. I'm just saying he's what, twenty eight as well? Not exactly got huge years left on him. Uh, I guess Ramos is Well you age. get 
if he's playing centre back, what you, you're going to get him to at least 33, 34 probably. Really? Yeah. I think. I yeah, I mean, milk out that many. Chiellini's been like kind of just, you know, chugged along and really probably had his best years after 33. I mean, obviously completely different style of play and different yeah. league, but I I wouldn't be worried about the age. I I think. I think I'd 28 be... is perfect amount of time when he's alive still. Yeah, I'd worry to compare Chiellini with Alaba. I think Chiellini is one of the best centre backs of uh, all time, in my opinion. Anyway, let's move on to another top centre back. We hope, or Alex hopes, Ibrahim Kanate has been confirmed this week. Uh, how much was it? What was the thirty-eight? Million, Alex? Thirty-eight million, I think euros. That is. Are you happy, Alex? Yeah. We've spent a lot of money on a Leipzig player with high potential before, who was similarly <laughs> in the uh, injury room a lot. So I'm a little bit jaded, and I'm a little bit damper on the hype because of that. I'm terrified of it going the same way because it was a really similar fear as well. So I'm happy. Like obviously, he has all of the hallmarks of a great centre back. He's quick. He's massive. He's good on the ball. He's got great physicality. Yeah, okay, I've got a lot to be happy about there. The injuries worry me, and we've been burned on a very similar situation before. So I'm like, if if, if I had to rate my mood about the signing, I had a 10, it's a 7. Well, I thought that you had to bring someone into that back line after what happened last year. I am very surprised you've gone for another highly injury-prone player. He's played seven games this year, uh, and I think not a lot more the season before that. Um, you're going to love it. I have more stats for you all. Um, very, very good. He's in the top 99 percentile across all the top five league centre-backs for dribbles completed. There you go, Alex. 0 0.84 per 90. So he can be bringing out. Although I thought Van Dijk uh, was the person who did that for you, but anyway... Aerial duels. He wins 75% of them. Okay, 86% for Van Dyke, but 62% for Joe Gomez. So the question I'm putting to you, Alex, is is he automatically the partner to Van Dyke now, or is it a fight between him and Gomez and it's it could really be a toss-up for you to see who starts in September? It's a fight between him and Gomez, but not based on ability. I think in terms of ability and potential, Kanate is a better player. But it becomes a fight because we've seen it before. Jurgen Klopp as a manager is very hesitant about chucking players in, especially when they're not particularly Premier League experienced. And he likes Joe Gomez. And Joe Gomez does a pretty decent stand-in job for you know, covering Van Dyke's very few errors and whatnot. So I think Gomez will probably get the nod at the start of the season with a view to Kanate taking over. A bit like the first season when Robertson came in and we still played Moreno for the first half. It's less pronounced yeah. than that because obviously Kanate is coming in far more established than Robertson was. But I think there will be a, a, a transition period where we stick it out with Gomez and then make the switch. Maybe if Gomez hits an injury or a bad one of form. Nick, I know you, you like your German football. Uh, opinions on Kanate? Um... I haven't I haven't seen that much just because I haven't seen as much as I'd like to of German football this year. But I think the one thing I should know that to add to Alex's point really about this kind of competition is 
I think when it comes to learning like a Klopp team or a Klopp style of play, um, I think it's really going to be more of like a red shirt kind of year for him where he won't, I think Gomez will still be the automatic second starter. Um, I, I just don't see it. you displace that relationship really until you, you absolutely need to. I think maybe over the course of the season he gets integrated in, but I don't think like Liverpool fans should be expecting you know fireworks in the first season really, like a Van Dijk for example. So um, I think it's um, it's interesting though that Leipzig have lost their uh, you know two main centre backs within uh, two or three months and. Upamecano going to Bayern as well so that'll be one to keep an eye on and uh, you know if you're a smart club you probably want to see who they're you know going to replace those two with Willie Orban's getting back into the starting 11 decent oh, player yeah um, fellas as it is the beginning of the summer I thought we could give our, each of us our top transfer prediction for this year and we'll have a look back at the end and see if we got any of them right or close Alex, give us yours. I'm going straight in with the increasingly obvious, very anticlimactic suggestion in that Kane is definitely starting next season at Spurs. I've, I've become is that increasingly. Because Conte's going there. No, even before that, I've sort of been more and more sure of it. Daniel Levy is a really shrewd operator. He's not going to let Kane go for anything less than he's worth. And. Apart from Man City, I don't see anybody stumping up. You know what Levy will want, and I think if you're Man City, you might be thinking, well, for maybe twenty million extra, I could get Haaland, which while doesn't have the same Premier League, extremely, you know, top caliber. You'd argue there's more of a future investment in that. So I, I didn't I don't really see the city move if they can get something better and that's the only move that I can see potentially happening. So I think Kane will stay at Tottenham and I've become more sure of that since this Conte news broke. I've seen uh the wild rumour of City offering up Sterling and Jesus and I, I don't know including money as well for Kane. Do you think that might tempt Levy's hand? I mean, it might tempt him, but I don't think that offer would come in. No? <laughs> I, I might live to regret saying that, but again, it seems to me to be very far-fetched that a city would stump up that kind of offer. It's not like it's not like they're not scoring goals, so it's a hell of a lot to put on the table for a, something that isn't a huge problem position. And also trades, trades like that, just player trades like that just don't happen in football really it's not like the NFL or NHL really it's it, 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 there's too much like legal complications there as well with um, getting a player to agree to a trade and you get burned and get Henrik Mkhitaryan but anyway there you go um, but Nick do you see Kane leaving please say yes um, I don't think he will because I think Spurs are going to hire Antonio Conte um, oh. <laughs> so sorry but no I don't um if I can offer um, my one and a half, I, and I say half for a reason because it's not—it's a bit of a cop out, really. Um, I think Arsenal are going to sell one, if not both, of Aubameyang and Lacazette because I think that's something they have to consider doing. Um, I think it's not—it's not really a 
let's try and get the most money for them. It's we have to get out of these contracts, and you, Arsenal should be Arsenal have to be open to absolutely anything to try and improve from whatever it was eighth, ninth. Like it, it's just eighth, eighth. Excuse me. It's not acceptable, and you have to you have to uh, consider all avenues. And I think this is one that is definitely worth. Um, Considering really considering the two seasons they've just had, and I think that half, which, which uh, if I could just quickly finish, is I don't think they will actually do it, but I think Liverpool will consider selling one of the big three of Mane, Firmino, and uh, Salah. There's um, a rumor. There's a rumor PSG are about to offer a lot of money for Salah, isn't there? Yeah. This is the thing: is like. You know, I mean, we we know how Liverpool operate. I mean, let's be honest; they're probably playing chess compared to most teams playing checkers. So, you know, if if an ungodly offer of like eighty million plus came in, like you'd have you have to consider it. Like, yeah, absolutely. I do think uh, to put my two pence in. I do think Salah will stay, though. I don't actually. Yeah, I agree. And there's been a lot of I know there's been a lot of speculation, but I don't actually think he's unhappy at the club. And if anything, there were more reports coming out January, February time from his camp that he was worried that he was going to be um, sold for a big fee. It's almost like he actually didn't want to leave the club. So I, I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll force a move. And I think the way Liverpool work, it would have to be an obscene offer to mm. to even accept that sort of thing. And they'd have to have a replacement lined up. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, there's, been, there's been very loose rumours. I don't put much purchase in them myself, but there's been very loose rumours about the making a move for Rafinha. Um, obviously, oh, that wouldn't like be that. a Salah level. No, no obviously oh. that wouldn't be a Salah level replacement, but that's the closest... That That's the only sort of whiff of Liverpool looking at a winger that I've seen yet, and I just think there'd be more sort of more smoke if that was a fire that actually had a potential of breaking out if i think if you have if you're going to sell if you're going to sell seller um just quickly i think you're right on that replacement bit like you have to have like a lautaro martinez from inter like kind of lined up like a young striker who's got a you know already shown quite a lot i think that's the kind of you know record for a player that you uh you need to uh you know sign as a replacement Sorry, Cam. Yeah, I completely agree. Oh, I was just just saying, what do you think that magic number would be, Alex, to tempt Liverpool to selling Salah? Okay, I would preface this by saying I don't think Salah is worth this. I'm saying it would have to be the obscene amount that would make Liverpool take the risk in selling him. And bear in mind, this is a club that eked out €140 million for Coutinho. I think, even in the current market, it would have to be... 95 million, 100 million, maybe more. Not as much as the 140 million for Coutinho because that money just isn't there anymore, but it would have to be really approaching, even hitting that treble figures in terms of 100 for them to even yeah. consider a shift. And even then, I think they might not risk it because it's for all um, praise about Liverpool's recruitment, I think it's still a very risk averse set up there. And I don't think they would take a trade on a player they know will get them 20 goals unless there was sort of an offer they couldn't refuse. It would have to be huge. 
I think the Lautaro Martinez one's really interesting. May, but not so much, I think, a replacement for Salah. But someone I really do dislike, as you know, is uh, Bobby Firmino. I think that kind of workhorse, not quite an out-and-out out nine, but more of a ten. Um, Martinez would be really interesting. And I think in that sense, I know you. I too took a step back when you said about Rafinha. Rafinha's not going to score you the amount of goals that's absolutely not. It's a change of system almost. But I think that would be really exciting. Refresh up Martinez, Rafina, Mane, Jota. Jota. Does does that mean can Jota play on the right if Salah goes? Not really. We played him on the. We played him on the left wing where he cuts in on his right foot. I don't see it working on the other side. I see Jota to be honest, borderline replacing Firmino next season anyway. I know he doesn't always play central, but I think he'll morph into that. He doesn't need to be an out and out striker. He can sit a little bit back, maybe not a committed false nine but something similar to that and I can easily see the front three next season as a default being Mane Jota and Salah well and quickly to answer your just very very quickly about uh, the two Arsenal forwards two things one there's been so many rumours as you can imagine flying around Arsenal this year I do I think this is going to be a huge summer for us and it's not my my prediction but I think I think there's going to be a surprise somewhere. Maybe in the selling of uh, a player like an Aubameyang. Or a big signing which just no one sees. And Kroenke just goes, you know what? Please shut up, fans. And appease us with a, a, like a Pepe-like signing. And it probably won't work. But anyway. But. I. I would be happy to. S- not happy. I wouldn't mind seeing one of them go. I'd be hesitant to let them both go. On the basis that I don't think right now us being an eighth us being out of Europe can attract a player of similar quality I'm not saying I know Aubameyang had a horrendous season last year but you can't just forget about the amount of goals he scored before that equally Lacazette I think is actually the striker that works well in our system and he scored 13 goals in the Prem 17 overall in an injury hit season not bad at all I wouldn't want to lose both I want because I just don't think we can replace them right now with similar quality. So in my mind, that just and I don't think we're going to get big bucks on them. If you said if someone slapped down thirty-five million for either of them, snap your hand. That's that's a, a, a pipe dream's pipe dream. Yeah, but then like, but my point still stands. Of I don't see who we replace them with. If you do sell them for whatever amount, who's coming to us of similar quality? I'm not. I think the only centre forward we're really linked with is uh, Edouard just the eye test that I saw him play this week I know it's one game and I've seen a few Celtic games he doesn't hmm. I don't think he's much better than Lacazette not not huge amount and we're not obviously going to be attracting huge quality and I sound seems silly but I mean like we're not you know we're not even looking at Haaland's direction so I have to say persist and perhaps if we become more of an attractive prospect in the future then we go looking elsewhere but you know if one, if one of them went I wouldn't be upset both I would worry because then we're left with the likes of Eddie uh, hopefully he goes, sorry Eddie um, my my prediction a bit boring yes, but I just think this summer's actually going to be a bit more boring than people think I don't think Haaland's going, I don't think Mbappe's going, don't actually think Salah's going, I don't think Kane's going so I think the big transfer of the year will be Sancho to United I think that is a big missing piece for them um, I think this is the year, you know, that they fight, they've dropped their asking price. United faffed about with it last year. 
Um, I don't think they'll make the same mistake again. That right wing is just screaming out for Sancho. I'm a huge Sancho fan. Uh, that would worry me. But I think that is the most plausible big money signing this year uh, across Europe, I believe. Do you both agree or disagree with Sancho to United? I think it's plausible. Um, and I agree with your general point. I think there'll be a lot of almost moves this summer that don't pan out. Yeah, sure, why not? I guess I agree. Um, they got burnt by not chucking everything at making it work last season. I don't know if it will happen. Uh, but yeah, okay, that that's I agree that's the most plausible big signing out of the rumoured ones. So yeah, sure, why not? I'll agree with you. Nick, final words? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just been rumoured for so long. It wouldn't surprise me to see it happen, but don't really know if it's the missing piece. I think the missing piece for United is a competent head coach. Um, But we'll see. Ole's at the wheel. Okay, fellas, you know what? I think that rounds up this week. Uh, Join us again next week, where it will be... Yes, it's the last week before the Euro starting, so perhaps a, a bit more of a Euro-centric theme to it. Well, we will have a look at the teams and see if who else has dropped out of Gareth's uh, squad through injury or just not wanting to play for the man. It, oh, he has a new coat. I, I saw that yesterday. No, no longer the waistcoat. He had another snazzy outfit that I look forward to wearing at a barbecue this year at some point. Anyway, fellas, it's been most enjoyable. Thank you very much and speak to you next week. Adios.